this morning. We have uh, a guest um, with us. His name is Andy Christofferson. Andy is a good friend of ours, um, is being used by God in many ways throughout the city, and uh, he's a gifted, uh, gifted speaker. And so once in a while we get Andy to come and, and, and give God's word to us, and so we're excited to have you here. Uh, funny story, Andy and his family were over at our home for dinner uh, a few months ago, and it was I think it was maybe in the fall, and that would be 10 kids and 4 adults. And we have a zip line in the back, and so the kids were zipping down the zip line. And, and so we went inside and brought all the kids inside to talk as adults. And um, I think about 10 minutes later, my neighbor Wade came over, and he, he, he opened the door, and he's like, here you go, you forgot one. Uh, I think it was York. I'm not sure. York, was it you, buddy? No? Okay. One of the kids. Anyway, that's what happens. Um, before, we, before we bring Andy up here, what we're going to do is we're actually going to read from the Action Bible. This is uh, one of my kids' favorite Bibles, and because we have the kids in with us, what we're going to do is put, put them up on PowerPoint so you can kind of track with the story of where Andy is going to be going this morning in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. So with that, I'm going to read this. Uh, to you. Okay, here we go. This one's a little out of focus, but we'll get the next ones in. God sends his prophet Samuel to Bethlehem, where he is greeted by Jesse, the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Samuel, oh no, what have we done wrong? Don't worry, I haven't come to judge you. I've come to give an offering to God. Jesse, God wants me to choose one of your sons for a special service. Will you bring your sons to me? Of course, he says. This is my oldest son, Eliab. And then uh, Samuel's thinking, oh, he is so strong and tall. Surely this is the one God has chosen. But Samuel hears God's voice. God says, you can only see how tall and handsome he is. I can see his heart. He is not the one. Samuel says, I'm sorry, Eliab is not the one. Call another. Abinadab. Seven of Jesse's sons appear before Samuel, but not one of them is chosen. Have I seen all your sons? No, the youngest one, David, is tending the sheep. I'll send one of my sons and a servant for him. See, this is, uh, this is back when pencil-thin mustaches apparently were all the rage. I wonder why Samuel insists on seeing David. This whole thing is a mystery. Next slide. Jesse's son finds his brother in the son finds his brother in the fields outside of Bethlehem. There's David. Look, a lion, and David doesn't see it. Next slide. And apparently, it's not just a lion. It's a lion that has been at Planet Fitness. Um, I've never seen a lion that ripped. Anyway, that's what you get with the Action Bible, folks. <clears throat> Just like his great-grandparents, David is honorable, faithful, and brave. His keen ears hear a swish in the tall grass. He whirls. A lion. Roar. David, the lion, you killed it. I also had to kill a bear a few days ago. Nothing going to hurt my father's sheep if I can help it. That's, That's right. You're a brave shepherd, David, but hurry home. Samuel wants to see you. I've brought a man to stay with the sheep. The Lord's prophet wants to see me, but why? On the hike back to the city, David continues to wonder. But when Samuel sees the young shepherd boy, he hears God say, this is my chosen one. And in front of Jesse and his son, Samuel blesses David and anoints his head with oil. The Lord bless you, for you will be the next king of Israel. Father, we uh, thank you for your word in both uh, written form and pictorial form. We ask that you would show us uh, this morning what you have for us. We ask that you would speak through my brother Andy. Give him your words, empower him by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Can we give a warm kettlebell welcome to Andy Christofferson? Good morning. I'm going to pull the Mike Moran chair away. Yeah, prone to lose a kid or two every once in a while. Keeps us on our toes. Um, it's happened before with York. He tends to wander off. Um, that may be irresponsible parenting. Um, get over it. Um, my name is Andy Christofferson. Um, I, I go to Ben City Church, which is a, a church in partnership with Kettlebrook Church. Um, my wife, Michelle, is in here uh, today, just running around from here. I've got to go to Kewaskam after this. This was a lot. Um, we, have, uh, I, we have six kids. Uh, Olive's here today. Uh, she's eight. Denver just lost a couple teeth. He's six. Uh, I don't really, uh, I don't often get the chance to have my kids uh, hear me speak, so it's kind of neat. Um, Grayton was crying as he was going into one of the rooms. He's five. York is uh, two and a half. He was screaming going into the other room. Um, I was kind of thinking about my wife when uh, they were screaming, and I'm trying to get my thoughts gathered. Just in my head going, where are you when I need you? Where are you when I need you? And then we have twins at home. We have uh, 10-month-old twins, Opal and Pearl. And uh, that was the surprise of our lives. Um, that's an understatement. Um, so I never thought that would happen. Uh, every ultrasound I go into with my family, um, I look at my wife. Uh, kind of, I'm kind of a jokester sometimes, and I say, this is the one, Michelle. This is the one. We're going to have twins. We're going to have twins. And she's like, don't say that. You're talking foolish. She calls me some other names. And this time I said it. I said, babe, we're going to have, we're going to have twins. I know it. Just totally screwing around. Not having any inkling from the Holy Spirit whatsoever. And about a minute later, she, she's sitting there trying to be as comfortable as she can. The, the, the ultrasound machine is on. And uh, I, all of a sudden I see double of everything. And I'm like, oh, it just must be a glitch in the computer. I mean, what else would it be? And she kind of nervously looks at my wife, who's not looking at her, the ultrasound technician. She turns the screen door and she goes, actually, there's two beating hearts in here. And uh, it was a pretty special moment. Um, I cried out of fear. <laughs> and um, I'll just, I'll never forget that time. I'll never forget it. And um, it's really done a number on me. Six kids. Um, so thankful. And it really, really plays a, really, really plays a role in, in and how I look at my heart and how my wife looks at her heart. And every day we have to look at our hearts and go, where are we at today? Where are we at with each other? Where are we at with our kids? And um, it's a blessing. It's just awesome. It's incredible. Children are a blessing, 
a glorious, inconvenient blessing. But they are a blessing nevertheless. So, so thankful for them. Um, I'm an associate principal at Beaver Dam Middle School. Um, love what I do. Love being in education. Before this, I was a teacher for 12 years, 11 years. And um, I just have just incredible opportunities to speak into people's lives. I uh, have incredible opportunities to encourage, to mold, to transform people. To, to aid in that process is something I, I never want to let go of. And uh, so thankful for those opportunities. And um, today we're going to be talking about kind of those opportunities and what I go after in my profession uh, as an administrator. I deal with all the behaviors, 100% of the behaviors. And uh, I go after the heart. You go after the heart of these children. And then when I go home to my small school at home of six children, I go after the heart. My wife and I always are talking about the heart. If you ask Olive in Denver, when we talk about behaviors, we talk about the heart. It's always what's going on in the heart. And that's what's going on with the Lord. He wants your heart. He longs for your heart. He doesn't want your thoughts on Him. He doesn't just want good behavior and behavior modification. He wants your heart because He knows a little thing about the heart. He knows a couple things about the heart. And He shows us the ultimate example of what a heart full of love and sacrifice and grace and truth and mercy does. So we're going to go through 1 Samuel 16, 7. So I want you to turn to that right now if you could. I think it's in your brown Bibles, page 202. So it's just an eye-opener this year when I was just uh, when I was the associate principal um, at the middle school in Beaver Dam. Um, just dealt with a lot of wide-ranging behaviors, and just taking into account the age of these children and the, the developmental level of these children, um, just ran into things that I, I just felt poorly equipped for. I, I felt inadequate at times uh, that I didn't know what I was doing, and. Um, uh, you get all these behaviors and, and, and the, the greatest times is when you really whittle it down and you ask those deep questions of those kids. And you go, wow, why are you doing this? Where's this coming from? And there's some heavy issues when you're working in a school. Heavy. Suicide. Cutting. A number of disorders. And it's amazing what wells up in kids' hearts. And it's amazing the responses you get when you start talking about those things about the heart. And you see where the behaviors are coming from. 
And you see this, this anger well up inside of them. Because how they've been wronged in their life. You see the torn and broken relationships. Because they haven't seen their dad. Because he's going to be in prison. He's been in prison since they were a toddler. And they won't see him for another 10, 15 years. You see the brokenness. Because they don't know where their mom is half the time. Because they're addicted to something. And these feelings that well up in your heart, you believe them. Because you've been fed this your your whole life. You've been fed this by culture. You've been fed this by friends and family maybe. You've been fed it by Napoleon Dynamite. Ever see that movie? What does Napoleon Dynamite say in this movie? Follow your heart. That's what I do. So I want to talk about the heart and what the Lord says about the heart and how He views us. So we're going to go through 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. We're going to talk about it. We're going to give you some background on it. We're going to go through it. And then we're going to talk about what God knows about humans and what we tend to forget about ourselves. And then we're going to wrap it up. So let me give you a little background. So Israel's divided up into tribes at this time. It's ruled by judges. That goes haywire. Samuel's a prophet of the time. He's a leader of the, of the tribes of Israel. People look up to him. He hears from the Lord. He gives direction. He gives leadership. And the people of Israel say to him, we want a king. We don't want to rely on God as our king anymore necessary. We want a real human face body. We want a king in front of us. First Samuel goes before the Lord. Lord says, give them what they want. Give them a king. And we get King Saul. And King Saul has deep character flaws. And they start showing through when he's leading. And when he's leading Israel. And he doesn't bother to obey the Lord. He obeys what he wants to do. Where his heart is at. And Samuel confronts him about some of these things. And he says, the Lord's going to reject you as king. Saul, the Lord is rejecting you as king. And Samuel's pretty bummed about the whole prospect. He's pretty down and out about it. And that's where we end up in 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Samuel's having a pity party. Why didn't things work out? This is not a good situation. Why is Saul acting like this? He's down on it. A little sulking. Have we ever done that before in our situations? I think we have. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it. He'll kill me. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. The Lord tells you to do something. And your concern is you'll be killed if you do it. Usually not here that happens. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice 
to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So the Lord's saying, can you just trust me here? Can you just listen to me? Can you just obey me? Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. Here's Samuel coming on in. They're scared. What do we do wrong? What are you coming to tell us? They're in fear. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So he's inviting them to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. I'm probably saying it wrong. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. He's the youngest. He's doing the young guy's work. He's taking care of the sheep. He doesn't need to be here. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down. Until he arrives. So we sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy. With a fine appearance. And handsome features. Then the Lord said. Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil. And anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on. The spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. So, uh, we have, uh, you see the, the first son that was brought forth. Verse 6, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. In some other versions he says, um, he was tall in stature. He was a handsome, tall man. David was a ruddy, short, handsome man. What was the difference between the two? Well, the difference was his heart. And the Lord knew. The Lord knew. God knows a lot about us. God knows a lot about where we are. God pierces the darkest of darkest places in our hearts. And He knows our intentions. 
And he knows our motives. And the Lord isn't tricked by appearance. The Lord isn't tricked by stature. The Lord isn't tricked by eloquent speech. The Lord isn't tricked by all the things we do. So what does God know about humans in the heart that we sometimes seem to forget? We're going to go through a couple verses. God knows that everything flows out of the heart. Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of your life. Um, my kids uh, are prone to um, misbehave. I don't know if you guys incur- encounter the same thing when you guys are raising children. Do you? Get a lot of blank looks. I guess I'm the only one. But it's a constant struggle and it's a constant battle for your heart. And every time I talk to my children, I never try talking to their behaviors first. I always try talking to their heart. And I ask them, what's going on in your heart? And we talk about it. We talk about how the heart is sinful and the heart is selfish. And out of that heart, that's where your actions and your words come from and how you conduct yourself. And the Lord knows that about us. And the Lord knew that when He chose David and anointed him. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Let me give you a little example. I like this example. I probably used it before while I was here. But when you get flowers, men, when you get flowers for your girlfriend or your wife, And you pick out those really expensive ones from Aldi to show you care. And you come home unexpectedly and you hand these beautiful flowers to your wife. She looks at you and she goes, Oh, Andy, you're such a sweetheart. You're so kind and caring and loving. Why'd you do this? What if I looked at my wife and I said, well, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Give you flowers? Shower you with gifts? I mean, I didn't really want to do it. But I knew it would be good. I knew it would make you happy. A couple weeks ago, I got in an argument with my wife. I don't know if that happens here at all. It doesn't? I'm obviously speaking to the wrong crowd. The following day, you know, my wife's perseverating on the argument. We committed the cardinal sin. I think we went to bed angry at each other. Got up the next morning as a man. I forgot about it. Oh, it'll blow over. My wife was still thinking about it throughout the day. Husband of the year award. But that day, I decided to get my wife flowers. 
And I came home. I wasn't even thinking about the argument the day before. I walk into the, 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 uh, the kitchen. I had the flowers behind my back. Hey, baby. What's the first thing she says to me? Did you get these for me because of us arguing? It's the first thing she said. Did it fall off? Can you hear it? Come here. Can you help me? I need a new ear. I love how you love me, Troy. Our hearts are wicked. Our motives are wicked. We're deceitful. We're tricky. How many times have we done something for others for private gain? For selfishness? We do it. It's incurable. I can list all the things we do. I don't have time though. We're deceitful. And the thing about our heart is our heart can talk us into anything. Talk us into anything. Proverbs 21.2 All a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. You can convince yourself of anything. I have a close friend that's having a hard time in his marriage. Breaks my heart. Known him for quite some time. He's torn about it. Him and his wife are separated. He doesn't know what to do. He feels like he's exhausted every option he has. But he's not giving up. So he sends me an email one day and he said, Hey, here's the things I'm going to do to fix our marriage. I'm going to have a date night at least once a week. We're going to put our technology away at this time at night. I'm going to give her her time alone this many times a month. I'm going to do this for her. I'm going to do that for her. I sent him an email back. I said, you think it's going to work? Yeah, I think it will. I think all these things I'm going to do for my wife is going to woo her back. She's going to want me back. She's going to desire me. I called him up and I said, I don't know about that, buddy. Where's your heart in all this? I said, where's her heart? You really think it's going to work? He said, yeah, I do. We can convince ourselves of anything. On the flip side of that relationship, the wife has convinced herself already. She's convinced herself that she's not happy because her heart's telling her that. 
she convinced herself that there's something more out there. She talked herself into it. And we can convince others too. We can convince ourselves and we can convince others. The Pharisees did it all the time. They looked pretty good on the outside looking in. They did all the right things. They said all the right things. They prayed all the right words. Matthew 15, 8. says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can talk the talk and still be distant from the Lord. Because the Lord wants your heart. So why was David chosen? Why was David chosen over his seven other brothers? David was chosen because of his heart. Because of his heart. In the Bible it says David was a man after God's own heart. It doesn't say in the Bible, David sinned minimally. It doesn't say in the Bible, David led well. That's why I loved him. It says, David was a man after God's own heart. He trusted in the Lord. He was obedient to the Lord. He was a screw-up. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. And the Lord said, he was a man after my own heart. Incredible. Incredible. David cried out to the Lord. He longed for the Lord. Read the Psalms. David had an intense relationship with the Lord. Full of high highs and low lows. He cried out to Him. That's why David was chosen. So Kettlebrook, what's your heart longing for? Wealth? Prestige? To be noticed? I look around here and there's a lot of influential people in here. I'm humbled to be in front of you because there's a lot of people in here that are doing amazing things in West Bend. Unbelievable. I hear about you guys. I hear about you, Kettlebrook folk. But why are you doing it? To be viewed as accomplished, smart, having it all together? People that think better of you? To win adoration? Where is your heart? Where's your heart towards your wife? Where's your heart towards your kids? Is your kids heart is your heart towards your kids so that they just behave and they wouldn't embarrass you? Or is your heart for your kids that they long for the Lord for all of their days? Is your heart for your wife that you'd love and honor and serve her and sacrifice for and give to her? Similar to the relationship between Christ and the church, 
Do you view your wife that way? Kids, do you view your parents that way? Do you honor your father and mother? Do you love them? Do you clean up your room because you want to honor your parents rather than get a fidget spinner at the end? Where is your heart? If I can leave you with any encouragement, which I want to, ask the Lord to examine your heart. Ask Him in prayer. Ask your spouse, what do you see in me? Where am I going wrong? Is my heart aligned towards eternal things? Psalm 26, Psalm 139. Go through the Psalms multiple times. It says, Lord, examine my heart. Lord, look inside me. Reveal to me where I'm not honoring you. Two or three weeks ago, I'll close with this. Two or three weeks ago, I just had a, um, I guess you could say a health scare. In my mind, it was. Um, Never really followed my diet very well. As you can tell. And doctor said in no uncertain terms that my sugar is pretty high. And diagnosed me with diabetes about a month ago. Type 2. Um, I didn't look at it as a behavior thing. The Lord convicted me that time. I still remember it. Driving home, hearing about it. It was an issue of self-control. It was an issue of the heart. Lord, I have no control when I eat. I love fruit by the foot. Fruit snacks are good. Washed down with the Mountain Dew. And the Lord's getting my attention. The Lord's grabbing my heart and looking at me and go, you got to change. Andy, I want you to be on mission for me. And when you're on mission, every fiber, every part of your being, every aspect of your life is under the control, is under the kingdom of the Lord. And that includes my eating. Here's the good news. The good news is our hearts are cleansed. The good news is our hearts are not wicked and deceitful. Not because of what we've done, because of what the Lord has done. Because when the Lord went on that cross and He took his, the, our punishment on His shoulders, He's given us a new heart. He's washing the slate clean for your past, for your present, and for eternity. You have a helper with your heart. It's called the Holy Spirit. And when you choose to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit resides in you. And He loves you. And He cares for you. 
And He takes your heart of stone and He makes it a heart of flesh. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You that You come to save us from the wreck that we are. That You took our wicked and deceitful heart And you made it into a heart of flesh that beats for you, Lord. That is bent towards you, Lord. That longs for you, Lord. Lord, thank you for just piercing into our innermost being, Lord. Thank you for not looking at our outside appearance, Lord. Thank you for looking at the wellspring of life, Lord, our hearts. And Lord, thank you for transforming us, Lord. Lord, would you give us that desire to change our hearts, Lord? Would you humble us, Lord, and ask for your help? We can't do it without you, Lord. Amen.